Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 138. On today's episode, I'm talking about creative ways to get your family on board with decluttering. Look, I get it. You want to declutter and your family's not totally on board. So let's look at how you can make decluttering contagious in your home. Hello again, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. As always, I am super happy that you have joined me today. And if this is your first time here, well, welcome to the show. I hope you find the information today helpful, inspiring, practical, something that you can use in your everyday life. January is now officially over when this goes live. It is February 1st, and I feel like we are finally settling into the new year over here. I know, a month late, right? The Avalanche Declutter Challenge is wrapping up in just four days, and it is amazing to see how much progress you all are making in just one month. And in my own home, it took me a while to kind of get back into this, you know, kind of just how everything runs. School was out until January 9th, and so it really just threw me off for this first month. But I am excited that I am joining in the Avalanche Declutter Challenge as well, and I'm making a lot of progress. In fact, I have decluttered 422 things as of this morning, which would have been the day before, um, from our home in this past month. And I do have the help of my family um, in that as well. And I'm still shocked every time I do these challenges. I am able to find more and more things to declutter. And you might think that that's crazy. And at this point, I should have found all this stuff, right? I do host a show called Wannabe Minimalist. I've been decluttering for a very long time. But I chalk it up to the fact that I'm actually getting better at letting go of things as the years go by. I start to know what's really important to us. I start to see the things that we haven't used. And as we haven't used them, it makes it easier to let them go. 
But I also know it's because we live a regular life. And part of living is accumulating new stuff and getting new things. So our daughter grows up. She outgrows toys. She's going to outgrow clothes. Her tastes are going to change. Heck, my tastes are going to change. Things are going to wear out. So, you know, we're going to need to replace items. And if we're not careful, those old things don't always make it out the door. And so that's one reason I love doing a challenge every year. It's like a tune-up on a car, right? I get to look at what I have and getting rid of that excess is going to help our lives run better, just like a tune-up on your car is going to help your car run better. Now, I will do my best to finish up with the remaining 43 items to knock out in this year's challenge. And yes, for those of you who are in the challenge and following along with me, you might notice that I am a little behind schedule. I think I'm about 28 things behind schedule. Um, but over the weekend, I actually completely revamped our storage in our garage. And so I did catch up with a lot of um, items on there. And I still have a couple boxes to go through. It's mostly my sentimental box um, and then our daughter's setting up our daughter's sentimental box. So I'm sure we will be able to find those 28 things pretty easily. So if you want to see the garage transformation, go ahead and head on over to Instagram where I posted the before and after photos. But one of the other reasons that I love to do declutter challenges is because it helps get my family in the mood to declutter. Yes, I did say mood to declutter. They see me in my flow state and then it naturally makes them want to join in too. And that level of contagion is what I want to talk about today. It's another way to look at what's probably my number one question that I receive. How can we get our families on board with decluttering? But before we dive in too far, I do want to say thank you to all of you who leave reviews on Apple Podcasts and comments on my website. I read them all and they make this show better, so please keep them coming. The latest review that I want to highlight this week comes from TamTam108, and they said, quote, I've been listening to multiple podcasts on minimalism and decided to settle on this one as part of my regular rotation. Deanna's voice is calm and soothing, and her information is very practical and useful. Her shows are not inundated with commercials and self-promotions. Highly recommend, end quote. Well, TamTam108, I am happy that I can help you with your decluttering efforts. And that is really what this show is all about. And I am thrilled to hear that it is working for you. And just as a quick ask to those who are listening, if you enjoy this episode or any of the other episodes, if you could please take a minute to leave me a rating or review, I would really appreciate it. I would also love to know which episode has been your favorite so far. So if you have that or any other topic suggestions that you'd like me to discuss, please go ahead and leave those in your comments or reviews. This show is for you and knowing what you want me to talk about or what you found th the best so far will only help me make it better. So please, please, please let me know. And one more thing before we get into it, just a reminder that you can get all of the show notes and links to anything I discuss on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 138. Again, that website is wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 138. All right, let's get back to making decluttering contagious. Now I know there are some of you who do not believe me when I say that decluttering can catch on, but I promise I see it time and time again. When we focus on our own efforts, we really start to see the change and then we can prove that we are willing to declutter our own belongings, so then our families naturally follow along. And I have many stories proving this to be true. Some of my favorites include one from a mom who decluttered her craft supplies after closing down an Etsy business and found her daughter decluttering puzzles and other items that would help 
in the assisted living facility where those craft supplies were being donated. And another one was from this recent avalanche declutter challenge where one woman found her husband decluttering a few items from his drawers in the bathroom. And by the end of the day, he had amassed a huge pile to declutter. And in my own life, I find that as I continue to part with things, my family continues to get more comfortable with letting go too. And not just my immediate family, I'm also including my extended family in that as well. And it was Jim Rohn who famously said that we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. And I don't know about you, but I definitely spend the most time with my immediate family and they spend the most time with me. So even though it might take some effort to get the ball rolling and I might be the one that has to actually start the process, there is scientific proof that we influence those around us. And so why should it be any different when it comes to decluttering? I don't think it is. And so my first tip on how to make decluttering contagious is something I already talked about, and it is to commit to a decluttering challenge. So it doesn't have to be my challenge. Of course, I would love to have you in the Avalanche Declutter Challenge. If you'd like to join us, it is free. You can find out uh, how to sign up in the show notes if you haven't signed up already, or you can come over to my Facebook group, Wannabe Minimalist Family, and find out how to sign up there. But um, just the thing about a decluttering challenge is that change is difficult. And a challenge gives you the structure and the accountability that you can stick with for a set period of time, right? It's mine is a one month challenge. You can find five day challenges. You can find, you know, 90 day challenges. So there really is a, a very large variety of different challenges. So you can find one that works best for you. But having that challenge to commit to, having a time period, and just saying like, I'm going to do this, it really does help kind of set the stage for what you want in your home. And so really, if you haven't ever done a declutter challenge, try it. You might be surprised at how it does catch on. My second tip is to ask for accountability. And this can go hand in hand with tip number one. So I recommend you do at least 15 minutes a day in a declutter challenge. I think 15 minutes is a doable amount of time for you to make a lot of progress, but also not so much commitment to say, like, I have to do a big giant declutter for an hour or two a day. Like, that's a little bit too much to ask in my book to make it something that your family wants to join in on and something that you will stick to. So I like to say set up side 15 minutes, and this is a really great way to ask for accountability from your family. You can say, hey, I'm going to do this challenge. I'm going to set aside 15 minutes a day to do it. I would really like your help in respecting that 15 minutes and then helping me or help remind me if I don't, if you don't see me do it, right? I'm going to set a um, timer in my phone. I'm going to set a calendar reminder. And when that goes off, can you help me remember to do it? Or can you give me a little encouragement? And that way they're in on the challenge with you, right? They are in it. They've bought in. They're helping you. They're being, they're helping you be accountable, but they're also not having to move any of their stuff. They're not having to declutter any of their stuff. They're not having to really go through those motions of letting go. And you will be surprised that after they get on board with that first little step, they're more likely to continue down those other steps with you. So that's number two, ask for accountability. And it doesn't have to be them joining in. It could just be them helping you and respecting that time you've already set aside. Okay, number three is to create family goals together. So I think it's really important to have a bigger picture, like a bigger why for why you want less stuff in your house. Is it so you can host more parties, more get-togethers, more events? 
Is it because your house right now just is stressing you out and you want to be a more fun mom? That could be a really great thing. You kind of want to lower the stress level for the whole family. Um, You could say that you want to let go of some of your stuff so that you can take a big vacation together. You can kind of tie getting rid of stuff to a um, a reward. You can create these family goals together, whatever they are. You can say this year we want to do these 10 things. This year we want to set aside money to go on a vacation. And it's going to tie into number seven below. So stick with me when you're kind of wondering like how this spending money is going to go with decluttering. It will all get together in a second. Just hold on for point number seven. But the point here is to come up with something that the whole family can look forward to, that you have something in the future, some goal, something to attain that will keep you on track as you're going forward. And again, I'm not saying that they have to declutter with you in order to meet this goal, but as they see the goal get closer or as they want to get the goal or as they um, as that becomes more of a reality. And if decluttering is part of that process, they will get more on board with the declutter portion as well. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hope that makes sense. Okay, number four is to add in a power tidy habit. Now, this is more about cleaning up, but it will eventually lead to decluttering as well. I talk about a power tidy all the time. It's one of my core habits that we do in our house, and it's one that I think is completely life-changing for families. So every day after dinner, before we get to sit down and watch TV or do something fun, play a game, anything like that, we have a five-minute power tidy. Now, it could be 10 minutes if that works for your family. It could be as long as 15 minutes, whatever works for you. But My husband will clean up the dishes after dinner and my daughter and I will race around to clean up the house if we have anything that's out from the day. And we put on a song and we jump right into it 
And the songs can change, so it's not always the same one. We've gone through different show playlists, lots and lots. And so um, so right now I think we're still in zombies. But anyway, I digress. The point is just put on some fun music that you are happy to move to and just spend those 5 to 15 minutes cleaning up. By the time that is done, your house will be cleaner. You will be less stressed. You will be able to enjoy the evening much, much more. And over time, as you start to clean up, it gets easier. I, it's just like magic. I, I don't know exactly the scientific reason why it works, but it just does. As you clean up, you have a little bit more time to clean up a little bit more every single day. And those small incremental changes will make a big uh, difference in your house. So please try it. And don't just try it once. Try to commit to at least a week of it before you can actually start to feel the change. And again, it kind of goes back to that declutter challenge. If you if that's too much, try a pow power tidy habit challenge and um, all these small little changes will add up. So give it a try. Number five is to stop being the stuff manager for everyone else. Sometimes we can get in the habit and I am super guilty of this. So this is no judgment zone here. This is like completely there with you of it's just easier to do it myself, right? And so if something is lost, I kind of, I used to be very proud of myself for being able to say like, oh, I know exactly where it is. Like I kind of wore it as a badge, badge of honor, but I have begun to look at it in a different light. Instead of being like the one that can come to the rescue, I want my family to be self-sufficient and be able to do things for themselves. So the first reaction, instead of saying where something is or getting up and going to get it myself is, have you looked in your room? Have you looked in? And I might give them hints, right? But I'm trying really hard to not have the knee-jerk reaction of me just doing it first. Then if they can't find it and it's becoming a big thing, of course I will get up and help. But I try not to have that first knee-jerk reaction be that you will find it for them. And then as they struggle to find their things and it takes them longer to find things and you're not there to rescue them and, and save the day, they will start to be better at putting their stuff away. If they know where their stuff is in the first place, then they'll be able to find it much easier and they'll start coming to you less and less and less. And it's, it's much better that way because people need to learn, your kids especially need to learn to be in charge of their own belongings. It will make their life easier. So a little bit of pain up front is going to be uh, have a lot of long-term benefits uh, going forward. So try to stop being the stuff manager for everyone else. Number six is to set up a centrally located donation box. And you can also add a secondary box, which I call the daily catch-all. So the centrally located donation box is just as it sounds. We have a cardboard box. I actually keep it in our garage now because we don't have a lot of space in our living room or a good place to put it. If you're starting out, I do recommend you have it somewhere that's visual, though, so people can see it on a regular basis. Um, and it's just a box. You write donation on it if you want. Um, but it's where you put anything that you come across in your daily, you know, daily life that you don't want anymore, that you're ready to part with, that you're ready to donate. And I recommend doing what, um, you know, a street performer would do. Put something in it right when you set it out right? So have something in mind that you're ready to declutter and keep one thing in the box because it it's like a clutter magnet, right? So we have different clutter magnet places in our house. Any flat surface that has something on it, naturally other things will gravitate toward it and um, it kind of attracts clutter. I call it a clutter magnet. 
And the box works the same way. So if there's something in there and people see something in there, the other people in your home see it, they're more likely to add to it. Where an empty box generally will continue to attract emptiness. I know it's weird, but it totally works. Okay, so try that. Try a donation box. And then the other thing I have in our home is a daily catch-all. And this is just really to help in the power tidy. So if I see something out of place, I often will just put it in this daily catch-all bin that I have in our living room so that it's easier to put it away during the power tidy if I have time. If I don't have time, it's no big deal. But it's just a nice place to put stuff, especially if I see something out of place and I think we're going to have like an impromptu play date or something. That way you can just go in the catch-all. I don't have to worry about it. And it's just out of sight, out of mind until it's time to power tidy and we can put it away at a later moment. Okay? I've talked about that before. So I will uh, try to look up which uh, episode I've included that in and I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, so that was number six. But the donation box is a must. The catch-all is an extra. Okay? That's a bonus tip. All right, number seven, we're going to come back to those family goals. So number seven is actually to curb your spending. Now, there's a couple different ways this is going to help you. One, I want you to think about buying less at the holidays. So I know this is now out of date. We're going into February, but we do have Valentine's Day coming up around the corner. Now, marketing is going to tell you that everybody needs something. They all need, you know, all the different things and you're going to need all the different decor and all that kind of stuff, right? You do not. Okay, if you need permission to not buy that stuff, here it is. You don't have to buy it. You just don't. You are going to survive just fine if you don't have the new whatever Valentine decor is out there that's trendy right now. I don't even know. I don't buy it. So I have no idea what it is. You know, if you really want to decorate, I recommend you get things that are red in color because you can use them for so many different holidays. You can use them for Christmas. You can use them for Fourth of July. You can use them for if you're in the U.S. You can use them for Valentine's Day, Memorial Day. So you've got lots of different options there. Um, And so it's really helpful if you really do want to do that. But try to buy less at the holidays. So this year, instead of spending, you know, well, so it's going to help you two ways, right? You're going to save money, which gets back to those family goals together. And two, it's going to bring less clutter into your house. If clutter is a big problem and your kids hold on to little, little trinkets and the toys and all that kind of stuff, maybe you'll give them candy. And I know a lot of people are like, but I don't want to give them candy because I don't want them to eat that much candy. Well, then make it one special thing, right? Maybe you guys bake a cake together. Maybe you make cookies together. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe you give them heart-shaped pancakes and a really nice heartfelt note, right? Something that's going to actually mean something to them versus the, you know, stuffed animal that you saw on Amazon, okay? So try to buy less at the holidays. And this, of course, extends to all of the other holidays. Then, you know, everything has become this big buying extravaganza. So now we have Valentine's Day coming up, and then we have St. Patrick's Day, and then we're going to have Easter, and then we're going to have, you know, the summer holidays. We've got birthdays, we've got Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Like, I feel like so many, there's so many things to buy now if you want to. It's easy to get caught up in that. So really try to buy less at the holidays. And that includes gifts. In our home, our daughter actually makes a list, and I divide it amongst the family so that we're not all buying her lots of different things. Her list is not very big. And that way we can keep an, you know, keep a handle on the stuff that actually comes in. And then we actually do a declutter before all of the holidays. Um, it just makes it easier to make room. I'm doing air quotes, make room for the new stuff that she's going to be getting. So it's an easy way to help kind of get 
your family on board with the decluttering is because they know there's more coming in. But I actually have a lot of other things uh, to talk about in this curb your spending. So sometimes it's really easy to declutter and then feel like we deserve a reward. And so we go out and we buy new stuff to fill in the gaps of the things we just decluttered. I would like us to try stopping that for a little while because I think that wears on our families too. They see like, oh, you just exchanged old stuff for new stuff. So it hurts their motivation to get on board when, you know, maybe you're not on board with getting them new stuff when they declutter their old stuff. Can you kind of see how that happens now? So I want us to curb our spending. And and by that, I mean for ourselves, for our families, buy less in between those holidays, right? In between the gift-giving holidays when we're out and about at Target. The kids don't need a toy every time we go to Target. They don't need something new. They don't need a new outfit unless you are going there purposely to buy these things. So one way that we have kind of curved this in our house is a one-in, one-out. So if our daughter has outgrown her clothes and she needs new clothes, well, then obviously we're going to buy new ones, but we're also making sure that we're donating the old ones that no longer fit. So we're not bringing more into the house. We're exchanging. And then let's say you do want to buy a toy or something. Your kids have earned a reward or they've set a goal. You've met it. You've got this thing that's coming into the house, right? Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, one way to help is to know where it's going to live before you even buy it. And so just ask your kids, well, where do you think this should live when we bring it home? Where should this belong? Where should it go? And you might be surprised at their creative solutions. Kids are really smart. So just give them a chance to show you that they have a plan. All right. So that's about curbing your spending. There's a lot there, actually. So buy less of the holidays. Don't give in to all the marketing messages that are out there telling us that we need more and more and more. 
Buy less in between the holidays, try to institute a one-in-one-out, and then know where something's going to go before you buy it. Okay, that was a recap on that one. That was kind of a long one. All right, number eight is to create a clutter-free zone. So if you have family members that really like stuff and you would consider them clutterers, well, one way to help with them getting them on board with decluttering is to create areas in your house that you all deem clutter-free. This could be the dining table after you clean it off. If it used to be a dumping ground, you can say, look, now let's spend time. I'm going to clean this off. I, you know, look at it. There's nothing on it. Can you please help me keep this a clutter-free zone? And then that little bit, just bit by bit, spot by spot, place by place in your house is going to help keep your home less cluttered. Because if you can reclaim one space at a time, over time, that is going to add up to your entire house. So start with one clutter-free zone and then work your way around. And then also on the flip side, make sure that your family members have places that are their specific zones as well. So maybe it's the office, maybe it's the playroom, maybe it's their bedrooms, maybe it's a den or the basement, somewhere that they have that's their space that they can have however they want it to be. And then those common areas that you deem uh, together can be your clutter-free zones. All right. Number nine is no judgment. This one is really hard. And I think this is what keeps a lot of people, a lot of our family members from decluttering in the first place. They feel like we are judging the things that they want to keep. Now, we all have our different likes and dislikes, things that I like, my husband might not like, and things that he likes, I might not like. And so sometimes it's hard for me to understand why he has an attachment to certain things and vice versa. It's hard for him to see why I have an attachment to certain things. So we need to make sure that we all have our own spaces. These are our homes, our joint homes. This is where we live. This is where we need to feel comfortable and need to be our full authentic selves. So in our home, each person gets a sentimental box. And when the box is full, we have to decide what's going to leave. That is enough. The box is a decent size bin. I think it's what I just redid all the bins, so I should know how big it is, but something like that. 20 quart, 20 gallon. I don't know. But anyway, I think it's 20 gallon. And so we each have one of those. I have one and our daughter has one and my husband has one. And when those are full, we have to decide what what is what goes out of it. But we get to keep anything we want in there. No judgments, no thoughts, no comments from the peanut gallery, nothing. Whatever we want goes in that box. Aside from that, also, we need to let our people keep what they love or, and get rid of what they don't love, right? So this is the, the flip side is really important too. If you're helping your children to clutter, if you hold something up and you say keep or toss and they say toss and you have a twinge of guilt, then if you want to keep it, you can keep it, but you're not keeping it in their space because they said they no longer want it in their space. You can go put it in your sentimental box if you're not ready to part with it, but you also have to decide if it's worth keeping for you. So that was a big learning experience when our daughter was younger of, oh, I'm having an issue here. This is on me. This isn't on her. I can't push my likes and the things that I want to keep onto her. If I want to keep it, I can keep it. But now it's mine. It's no longer hers. Okay. And then vice versa, let them keep what they love. So if you're like, I just don't understand this. My kid is keeping this toy that they never play with. There could be emotional attachment there. It could be from a time that they um, you know, really cherished in their life. It could remind them of someone. It could remind them of something. It could remind them of a place. 
And so you're not quite sure unless you can ask and they'll tell you. Um, I can't always get our daughter to tell me what she's thinking. And sometimes she doesn't quite know either. Uh, so if you could know why they love something, then great. It'll help you understand it. But if you just know that they're not ready to part with it, then we need to let them keep what they love. Because there's plenty of things. I'm sure of it. There are plenty of things that they can let go of that do not have those sentimental and emotional attachments. And then the third thing on this no judgment, I want to tell you to compromise on collections. So my husband has a couple collections. I think he has some baseball cards and some comic books. And, you know, like all of us, we have to work through some things before we're really ready to let them go. I had a bunch of ornaments that were kind of big for me. And for me, the and I think the same thing might be for him, um, it's that I was always told that these had some monetary value. So it's really hard to let them go when you think, but I could sell them on eBay or they're worth something or all this kind of stuff. That part gets really difficult. And so while it's taken me years to be able to let go of some of my ornaments and some of those things that I was told growing up were worth something, um, you know, it, in the end, it really wasn't worth my time. If I've had them for this long and I haven't been willing to put them on eBay because of this, that, or whatever, well, then you know what? I'm not going to do it in the next month or the next two months or next year because life is not getting less busy. Life is just getting more busy. And so if I haven't had time yet, I'm probably not going to have time. And so I was able to let go of some of my collection. Now, I don't know that my husband's quite there yet. So we've compromised, right? He has these two boxes and those are his things that he's keeping. Um, for a reason. And it's okay, right? Just like we give people to have their their space, their safe space, um, room to have whatever they want in their spaces, we need to have no judgment and let them keep those collections that mean something to them. So, all right, I'm going to get off my soapbox on that one. And the final tip I want to leave you with today, number 10 for making decluttering contagious, is to make it noticeable. Oftentimes, we change so quickly. Our brains adapt to the new situation so fast that we don't even remember what it was like before. So you have to take pictures or you have to make sure that it is a change that they're going to notice so that they will be more willing to get on board, right? If we're just having these really tiny incremental changes that we never see, then it's more difficult. And if they are incremental changes that you never see, that's okay. We can still make them noticeable. We just have to verbalize it. So if decluttering has made you happier, well, make sure your family knows that. Make sure they see that you're happier. Make sure you tell them how much, um, you know, mental clarity it's given you, how much better you feel, how much more you enjoy getting to spend time with them instead of cleaning the house, right? So it doesn't just have to be visual. It can be verbal as well. It is just as long as it's noticeable. So if you can take pictures before and afters are always great, and it's just great for you to have it too, um, because even if you never show anybody else, there's often a big change and you just it just gives you a moment of excitement and keeps motivating you as well. But then also if there's that emotional change, just make sure you tell your family, let them know, um, and then let them know that you appreciate their help. So if they help keep you accountable, let them know that, hey, because you kept me accountable, I was able to declutter this month. And now I just, I feel so much better. I'm happier. I have more energy. I want to go, let's go do something fun, right? And make sure that they feel those benefits and rewards as well. All right. So there you have it. There are my 10 best tips 
for How to Make Decluttering Contagious. I hope now after you've seen that, you can understand what I meant by that term and that you can see that it is actually doable. So with that, I want to turn to you. I want to know which of these 10 tips uh, was your favorite, if you're going to implement it, if you're going to start doing it. Um, do you have any to add? Have you done things that have worked well in your family and uh, that I didn't share today? I mean, please come on over and let me know. Uh, I'll be in the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook, and I myself and all of the members over there would really love to know. There is still lots of activity going on for the Avalanche Declutter Challenge. We're going to be on day 26, I believe, when this goes live. And so there could be a lot of other posts over there, but please just jump right in. I will have a discussion thread for today's episode, and I would absolutely love to have a chat with you and uh, just kind of encourage you on your journey. So if you do still want to join that declutter challenge, it's still going on. You can join it. You can get daily email prompts starting from day one. I'll have the link in the show notes. So if you want to jump on number one tip for today and actually do a, a challenge, you can do that. And so again, that's on my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 138. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 138. And with that, I hope you have an absolutely fabulous day and I will see you in the discussion or back here next week. Over the next month, I've got some really great guests lined up to come back on the show and we'll be finishing up that Avalanche Declutter Challenge and probably talking about my garage and the big upgrades I did in there that actually were not that hard to implement. I was able to do it in a day and so I can't wait to tell you all about that. Come back here in the next month or so. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss any of those episodes and uh, looking forward to sharing it all with you. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.